you know, the reason they, they like reading my stuff is that I've always got real life examples to prove what I'm saying. There's a lot of good people that listen to this podcast. You know, other than God and my family, deer hunting would be next in line on my list of priorities. From the bottom of our hearts, it's it's just fantastic and awesome to uh, to have the support that you guys are getting. People ask me about expandable broadheads and love swings. <laughs> Chasing Giants with Don Higgins and Terry Peer. Brought to you by Osseo Camo, nature's most lethal camouflage. Follow along as Don and Terry discuss the techniques, strategies, and dedication needed to harvest one of God's most amazing creations, world-class whitetails. Well, welcome everyone to the Chasing Giants podcast brought to you by Osseo Gear. Don Higgins, I'm Terry Peer. This episode's going to air on January 7th. Don, you just rolled back in from being on the road. You actually scheduled to come back home on Saturday, but in your true fashion, you got antsy and drove home the whole way through the night and then tried to sleep, couldn't sleep, got up early, and you've been at it since 7 this morning. So you're fighting yeah. uh, about ready to crash, ready to go to bed, aren't you? I'll sleep good tonight. I got in a little bit after 3 a.m., and then I was up at 7 a.m., so... I didn't have much sleep last night, but uh, I'll tell you, I had a great trip uh, out east. I was in Pennsylvania, did a consulting job out there for a new client, and uh, just uh, you know, a fantastic person. I talk about it all the time, the great people I meet. I'm sure this client is going to become a good friend. We're probably going to do multiple things together besides just me consulting on his property. And then I went to Ohio the next morning, and... Uh, Looked at a property there for a, a gentleman I've known for for some years. Um, got his property all set up. He's excited as can be, and, and I'm sure I'll be in contact with him in the future as well. <clears throat> but then, you know, last night I had that seminar um, for, um, you know, one of our dealers there at Fredericksburg, Ohio, Fredericksburg Outdoors, and man, I, I just can't tell you. Um, <laughs> how great that event went the uh it was a full house standing room only the the building was just packed and i'd had a couple people reach out to me ahead of this event a couple amish folks that uh they wanted to see the babe video but they didn't have access you know to a computer to, to watch the babe video so steve shields was along with he was filming these properties for the whitetail master academy they're going to produce videos on these two properties and the design layout and so I had Steve, uh, because I'm not, you know me, I'm not computer savvy whatsoever, but Steve played the babe video before I spoke. And uh, so then I got up there and of course I can't watch that video without getting choked up. And so I get up there and, and I was th trying to thank them for their prayers and everything. And uh, I stumbled through that and then got through my uh, seminar. And when the seminar was over, uh, the the guys there at Fredericksburg Outdoors, uh, while I was talking, they was arranging a fundraiser for my daughter, Andrea. And so when I get done talking, these guys come up there totally unexpected. They just planned this as I was speaking. They auctioned off two guns, um, brand new guns that they had, you know, from their store. And how they did it was for each gun, they had four of these insulated mugs and you bought a mug and so in one of the four mugs was a piece of paper that said you're the winner and so you bought that that mug and you only had a one in four chance of winning the gun 
Well, they was auctioning off these mugs, and every one of them mugs brought at least $650. And so there was eight of them total. Uh, some of them brought over $800 for a mug, a, a chance at a gun. And so, uh, you know, it was somewhere over five, $6,000 they raised in about 10 minutes auctioning off these these uh, mugs. And um, I, I, was, I was just speechless, you know, that uh, – and then uh, – you know, our buddy Smokey was there, and, and he spoke before I did. And as he was leaving, he came to shake my hand, and and it's you know I felt something in in his hand as he's shaking my hand, and uh, so there was some cash in my hand, and he said that's for your daughter, you know. And okay, thank you. You don't have to do that. He said, nope, nope, I want to. And well, I, so I I stuck it in my pocket, and I get home this morning, and, and it was a thousand dollars cash. Uh, 10 $100 bills and uh, you know it's just I, I say it all the time the best thing deer hunting has ever done for me is the people it brings into my life and you know uh, I was literally in tears sitting there at, at that event and there was other people in tears too watching that video but the Amish people have been so good to me and I told somebody at that event that you know, if I had to move from my home, if I was forced to move to somewhere else in the country and it had to be east of the Mississippi River, I would go to eastern Ohio. That's where I would want to live. Now, if I had to move, I could go anywhere. I'd go west. I'd go to Iowa or Montana or something. But if I had to stay east of the Mississippi River, that, that Ohio, eastern Ohio region is one of my favorites. And not only is it because of the the good deer hunting and the outdoors uh, that they have there, you know, just lots of, you know, outdoor opportunities but it's a people i go over there and i probably spend more time in that region than anywhere in the country except you know around my home in illinois and uh you know so many people came to that event that i knew and i've known for many years and not just people that i've done consulting work for just people that have come to my seminars for years and years and even before we played the the babe video and, and all that before this event started it was just person after person after person coming up to me asking me how my daughter's doing uh these, these people genuinely care the um we talk about it all the time the the amish and mennonite community is some of our closest friends and also the most generous and supportive people that are out there um i've seen it not only with my mom you've seen it through your whole career our consulting business a very large percentage of our uh, consulting clients are, are from those communities, but even even as I've made this transition to Cornerstone Equipment, I mean we've had Amish people uh, contact us just to buy equipment because they know that I went to a faith-based, Christ-first company that is run the right way, and it's important for them. I mean, it's such a huge blessing, but yet an example of me as a consumer of anything. You know, I, I, I've really tried to, you know, rethink just getting on Amazon and buying what I need because it's easiest versus finding the Chris Yates of the world, the Joe Miles of the world, and really trying to put my dollars of what I buy back into that because the Amish community has really taught me that as they've come to us for, <laughs> for our stuff because they know who we're about and tried to take a few lessons from them it's um 
it's been very important to me, especially through this job transition. Um, I don't want to start off, in, but before I forget, um, I actually had a consulting visit scheduled for this morning with our good friend Joe Miller uh, down around Cave City, Kentucky. And we talked early this morning. Uh, he asked me to actually mention it on the podcast. There was a real tragedy in an Amish community up in Michigan last night, which would have been Friday night. I guess there was a, a group of younger people that were traveling around doing caroling or singing of some sort to some people's, uh, I don't know if it was elderly people or what, but they were mm -hmm. struck by a car while they were on their bicycle. Um, mm -hmm. I, I hate to give too much detail because I don't want to mess up or communicate the wrong details. But um, what I what I think I'm confident in relaying is that there was um, a group of kids struck by a car while they were riding their bicycles on Friday night this week in Michigan, and uh, one of the young uh, girls was killed. Um, I think maybe 16 to 18 years old. There were some other injuries to other people, but very, very hard uh, news for Joe and his family to get. They were contacting a driver to take them up to uh, kind of support, you know, their their extended family and friends. So uh, as, as we start the podcast, just make a note of that for all of our believers that have uh, uh, can join with us in prayer this week and, and remember that family that's important to us. Um, outside of the, uh, the event last night, we probably need to, we've been approached on this situation with Andrea on how, you know, Lester's feet helping us doing t-shirt drives. I don't want, uh, you mentioning the good of what they did unsoliciting. Um, you know, we, we've actually talked about doing fundraisers and stuff for them. And at this time, I don't know that that's a real pressing, uh, situation. We're obviously grateful for that one, but, um, you know, just know that a lot of people have reached out with ideas of, you know, special T-shirts and stuff like that. So we really appreciate mm -hmm. not just this this group, but also the other ones that want to try to support Andrea and Corey and the boys. So, right. um, besides, it's, go ahead. It's greatly appreciated, but uh, you know, right now um, they they do have medical bills, and starting the new year, they've got to start over with their. Uh, insurance okay. deductible for the year yeah so the, that'll be several thousand dollars um but you know they're not to the point where they're going to lose their house or anything like that um you know i'll i'll keep you guys updated i, I the, the best thing you guys could do is just continue to pray um you know your prayers are being felt i feel they're being answered and if you all would just continue to do that it, it would just mean so much to me and and to my whole family Yep. Well, I have some big news, and that is yesterday we took, meaning we, Cornerstone Equipment, took possession of a new property in Frankfort, Kentucky, to open up another facility down in central Kentucky. So uh, I know we have a lot of listeners that are down around that area, and my goal is to also be a real-world dealer, a wildlife farming dealer, Maybe have some demo clothes from Joe Miles from Osseo there. And uh, if we need to keep some demos of quiet cat bikes on hand so people can try them, uh, we're willing to do that. So um, we got to build a complete sales service parts team there. So if you're in that area and looking for a job with a good Christian company, reach out to me. But uh, it's really exciting to me to be able to come on board to a company like this that is rapidly growing and trying to put a growth plan together 
and you should see this building don it's it's absolutely beautiful that we're going to be able to uh the goal of the company is obviously to you know sell more equipment but we want it to be a spiritual and ministry outreach for us also and uh you know i know people aren't going to be able to visit but we're actually having a prayer time on the property with our entire organization tuesday evening after work awesome. so before we start touching one paintbrush one crowbar one framing hammer with a, a few modifications our ownership team uh, is bringing all of our entire company there Tuesday evening to pray over it, not only that it be successful, but that we use it for the kingdom's work. And I want to tell you, working for and with a family that believes that heavily in faith has been a true blessing to me in the last three months. Well, you know, one of the reasons I got up at seven o'clock this morning was I had a phone call from an Amish gentleman, and I'm not even going to say uh, what community he's from, what state with a business opportunity that absolutely blew me away. And I say a lot of times, dream big because God's reality is bigger than anything we can possibly imagine. And that phone call this morning was so much, I mean, the opportunity is so much bigger than I have ever dreamed in my entire life that might come my way. Um, I'm not ready to share it yet because I just got the first phone call this morning and it's very early in the process, but things are already underway for this new venture. And the fact that, that this gentleman would want me to be a part of it is it's humbling and it's just, it's proof to me that God is in control and he's orchestrating things. And if you give him the glory He's going to open doors for you. You just got to, you know, remember where your blessings come from. Um, make sure that he's glorified in all that, that you do and not your, your don't try to glorify yourself. Um, but the, the conversation I had with this gentleman this morning last, I was on the phone with him over an hour. And uh, so much of that conversation was about faith, not not the business idea, although we talked plenty about that, but just talking about faith and his view or, or his intentions for this business are just, it's unbelievable. It's got to be a God orchestrated thing. It just has to be. Well, you look at us trying to make decisions for real world or chasing giants or Higgins outdoors. And, you know, we get so caught up in, and having stress, anxiety, and fear about what do we do to prepare and provide for our families, you know, especially you, know, you and I are in a completely different situation with not only our age and preparing for retirement, but also caring for our families at different phases of our lives. And then here all of a sudden, when we're stressing out about what to do and what decisions to make, God always provides. And, you know, sometimes I think God doesn't provide the way we want, but I think we're both confident that we do our best with the platforms that we have, the outlets that we have, and that God always provides. I know uh, when we're talking about, you know, moving to this new uh, area in Frankfurt, you know, it's it's really a change for our business to not sell as much you know, small tractors, but bigger tractors, bigger equipment, hay equipment, because this is big livestock area. You know, all the big horse farms and cattle producers from Kentucky are in this area. 
you know, it's a, it's a lot of uh, nervousness from us, especially from sales, because we have to really develop that into a new market. But I think as long as we continue to do what we're planning on doing Tuesday night and put God first and pray over things and, and be good stewards of what he's provided to us, uh, everything will come out in, in the end the way we want we've 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 took this approach seriously at real world probably for what would you say four years now yeah um and our business has been blessed beyond belief uh with the growth of it um before that we kind of went through the motions with previous owners saying we were christians of faith-based company and that kind of stuff but about four years ago when wes came on he challenged us on this and um it was it was weird getting challenged by a kid in his twenties, but that man is so strong spiritually um, that when he when when he challenged us and we did this, I have no doubt. And we're to the point now. You and I were talking before we recorded. We're actually cutting back on all of the paid staff that we uh, you know compensate to to represent real world on social media. We're cutting way back. And we're investing that money into people like Brent Henderson, who is a true missionary to outdoorsmen. And whether or not he puts a brochure out for real world or not, our advertising dollars are going to a bigger picture. And that's uh, the kingdom of heaven. And I have full confidence that that's going to have a bigger return on it than somebody who posts something on Instagram. No doubt about it. And, you know, it, it goes right to, uh, you know, the direction we're taking with our sponsors. There's going to be the listeners are going to see a shift in some of our sponsorships in the next year or so, and not that we're not bashing anyone, we're just looking to align ourselves with the perfect fit. And there's some sponsors that we think are really good fits that we want to align with. And you know, you mentioned Real World Terry and the growth that we've seen, which has been absolutely unbelievable. Even the the last three months which are usually the slowest months of the year for us during hunting season um so many doors have opened and in fact just this week uh our first shipment went into canada we now have a dealer in canada which should open the doors for a lot of other dealers in canada so if you're in canada i'm going to give you a a phone number because we get we've had many many requests in canada so uh if you're in Canada and you're looking for real-world wildlife products, um, the gentleman you want to call, his name is Merton Koofer, or Koopfer. I hope I said your name right, Merton. If not, I apologize. He's in Wellesley, Ontario. And I don't even know if I said that name, that town right. But anyway, Merton is in Ontario, and his phone number is 519-272-5522. Our first ever Canadian dealer, and uh, give him a call because we've had a lot of people in Canada want our products over the years, and we've uh, God's opened that door for us. It's not that we haven't wanted to do it, but dealing with crossing a com- a country line, and we have to navigate a lot of Department of Agriculture type stuff, being that seed related and then nutrition related. So having a partner that can navigate that with us is a huge win. So. Um, we got Joe Miles on the on the podcast tonight. I don't want to dilly dally around much because the big buck killer is on the podcast tonight to talk about um, 
some new ventures with that he is, some requests that we want to pursue inside the Amish and Mennonite community, and recap his season. But before we do that, let's put up our trade show or speaking engagement schedule. Don, you just finished that one up that we talked about uh, from last night, but we got three coming up in the next couple weeks. Let's mention those before we go to the Osseo spot. Yeah, so the next one will be January 15th. That's the one you're speaking at, Terry, at your home church in Dry Ridge, Kentucky, the, the Sherman Church of Christ. Um, so that phone number is 859-428-1661. Um, be sure to call an RSVP. And then January 20th, I'm going to be down in Lake Butler, Florida, at our only, uh, currently our only Florida real world dealer, um, doing an event down there. Um, the number there is 386-496-2266. And then February 2nd, I'm going to be in Hopkinton, Iowa. There's two different uh, real-world dealers that have come together to put this event on. Um, the number you can call there is 563-608-1579. All right, sounds great. Let's uh, let's pull up the next spot of the podcast, and that's the Op Osseo segment. So stay tuned, and we'll listen to Joe Miles here in just a second. All right, well, all right everyone. Thanks for tuning into our Osseo spot this week. I'm going to put a slide up here with a giant Ohio whitetail. This is Don's first look at this thing from an Osseo customer. Don, talk a little bit about this giant. Wow, you talk about a big eight-pointer. Um Dakota Miller from Ohio shot an absolute giant, and as you can see, he's in his Osseo. Um, says he wore he wore his uh, base layers and midweight hoodie and Sherpa pants and jacket. But man, congratulations on a giant eight pointer! I love pulling these things up and letting Don see them for the first time while we're recording, because you when he when he gets a little excited, you can hear a little tone in his voice. <laughs> and when I threw this eight pointer up on the screen. It is an absolute giant. Now, it's hard to get an eight-pointer to get up over 160. I mean, it's just, it's got to have it all. But, man, this thing has time length, good brows, and really, really long beams, right? Uh, he's got width, time length. He's got it all. Well, Dakota, congratulations, buddy. Your your photo was chosen by Osseo Gear to be the spotlight on the Chasing Giants podcast this week. Congratulations and well done with your uh, with your picture here. You did a great job cleaning him up and uh, and whoever took the pictures give them a pat on the back. That's a good buddy that did a good, great job. Yeah, that's the kind of pictures we want to see right there. All right, congratulations, Dakota. Now let's put Joe Miles on the spot for this next segment and listen to what he's got going on with Osseo Gear and Mission Whitetail. Well, hey everyone, welcome to the second segment of the show. And Joe Miles, the big buck killer, is on the show tonight. And before we let him talk, Don, I, I got to ask you just a quick question. We've now worked for, with Joe and known Joe for years. The further we go with Joe, the more ingrained and he fits the mold of who we want, uh, not only as a friend, as a brother in the outdoor industry, but also a partner in business. Uh, that that just keeps showing more and more every day what this man, his companies, not just Osseo, but all of his other ventures are, are all about. Um, it's just I want you to talk a little bit about the man behind the business a little bit as we've gotten to know him over the last couple of years. 
Well, you know, we've done a little over 200 episodes now, and, you know, that spanned, you know, pushing four years. And we've had, you know, a, a good number of different sponsors. And I think we're at almost a shift here in, in uh, our position with some sponsors and that uh, we're going to be losing some sponsors that we currently have most likely and picking up maybe one or two new ones. And, and we're looking for the, uh, the right fit. Um, it, it's not that the ones that we're going to get rid of or are bad. It's just that they're not the perfect fit for us. And, and the perfect fit for us is a company that puts out a high-quality product, and, and the company is run by high-quality people. And we can go right down the line. We can. We had Jay Gingrich from Gingrich Tree Farm on last week who fits that bill. We've got Chris Yates with Victory Chevrolet that fits that bill. We've got Nick Carpenter with Brenton Firearms who's recently come on that fits that bill. And then Joe Miles is right there at the top of the heap. You, you know, the best camo out there um, without question uh, as far as quality and pattern and, and top-notch person. That, that it's exactly what we want and as we move forward um you and i do not have to have sponsors we could do this without a single sponsor so when we do have a sponsor it, it's going to be someone with a quality product and they are a quality person and if either one of those things are missing um, we're just going to pass on it and you know no we don't mean anything negative to the companies we might leave behind but uh, it's just not the direction that we want to go. Well, it's the true nature, Joe, is, is I learned when early in my marketing career with NASCAR, it's not about just a logo or a hashtag. It's really about business-to-business opportunities that both teams can work together. And that's a big part of what we're going to talk about tonight on the podcast uh, with, with what your dialogue is on. But you exemplify that to us because you we're always working scheming talking you know we've had a lot of road trip phone conversations just about how to help each other with expertise or lessons learned as we both grow our businesses or our platforms and uh, try to share resources to partner not on just a podcast but on all of our businesses and help each other network and find new customers and find new solutions so for you, we're going to turn it over to you for a little bit, but just from the bottom of our hearts, thank you, buddy. It's It's been an honor, um, and you're pretty much – you've set the gold standard for us of what we're looking for with our partnerships. Well, you, you, you know, you, you hit on something there, Don and Terry both, and it, it is a privilege to work with you all because you don't have to have the sponsorships. And I think that might be missed by, by some of the guys that listen – but, you know, being in the industry, I have a lot of other companies that come to me and say, hey, man, how do I get in with, with Don and Terry? You know, and, and, and I'm always like, buddy, that is a privilege of all privileges. And, and you can reach out and, and you can do what you want, but it has to be a fit. It, it, I don't care what you pay them. That's not going to work. If it is not a fit, an aligned fit, and they can smell it a mile away, they know what is a fit. And so for, for me and Osseo, it is, it is a privilege, um, an honor to, to work with y'all. Um, just, just the absolute perfect fit for Osseo. I mean, like if I had to design an outfit 
for a group of guys, it, it would be for you guys. And, and that, I'm not overselling that. I mean, you, you guys know that. I mean, you, you know um, how you operate and, and the number of other companies that have reached out to you all over the years. And again, if you, you can smell it. If it's not a fit, it's not a fit and no hard feelings and everybody goes their own way. So from from the bottom of my heart, and we're going into our, our third year here, it's a it's a privilege, it's an honor. I'm humbled to be a part of what you guys do and, and help where we can. Joe, what's the craziest company that's either reached out to you to use their product or to solicit your product <laughs> or their services to you in the outdoor industry or any industry what is the i'm putting him on the spot he didn't know this was coming but what is the craziest off the wall thing that anybody's ever asked to partner with you at any level on i'm curious the acorn crusher the acorn <laughs> crusher okay he didn't even have to think about that one he, no, he knew exactly was, what it was gonna be that, that one stays at the, and that was from years ago i mean that was back matthew's dominant bucks but miranda brought, brought out the acorn cruncher at a meeting that we were having and and i said i said tom there zero chance there is zero chance that I'm going to sit in a deer stand and push the acorn crusher. That, that ain't happening. So fire me, get rid of me, whatever you got to do, but I'm not using the acorn crusher. <laughs> I got mine. You want to go next, Don? What's the craziest one? Um, didn't we have somebody that had, like, depends for hunters so they could crap their pants in their tree stand and change their diaper? <laughs> Yep. <laughs> Seriously, we did. <laughs> I forgot. Well, I forget what the name of it was, but it was literally diapers that, that you wore in your tree stand so you could crap your pants and not have to climb down. <laughs> well, we, we will relinquish all rights. Uh, well, no, I can't do that because I think West Delks owns the rights to Code Brown. So if the diaper company wants to reach back out to West to get Code Brown in their marketing plan, I'm sure they can. Oh, the only funny. other one I can think about is the the it wasn't Manscaped; it was uh, another clipper manufacturer to oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. to shave your undercarriage. I think it was actually called ShaveMyBalls.com or something like that. Yeah, they did uh, reach out to us. That's true. <laughs> Y'all win. I thought the acorn crusher was going to be top of the list. I got blown away. Well, next next time we get uh, manscaping for your undercarriage, we'll send it your way, Joe. You can you can uh, decide if that's a uh, Mission Whitetail sponsor potential or not. Yes, absolutely. Can, can, can you just that. imagine diapers in Osseo camo diapers? So even when you climb down to change your diaper, the deer don't see you. <laughs> You leave it sitting up by a tree and you're ready to go home. They never will see yeah. it. Yeah. Hey, you're on to something. smell you, though. Hey, somebody will be on YouTube with this idea this week, guaranteed. For yeah. sure. All right, man. Well, let's let's do – we got a specific request, uh, especially to our Amish Mennonite communities tonight with you. But before we do that, let's just do a recap of your hunting season uh, it's been a while since we've had you on. I think I think you'd shot maybe one, or maybe two early season last year on. Let's just go through that, recap your hunting season. Tell us where you went, what you did, and uh, what future plans are. Because I know it's somewhere in the world you're hunting something year-round. Man, 
it, it was a good whitetail season. Started in South Carolina, um, got a nice one here in Velvet. Um, then Kentucky in late October, early November, and shot one out there. And that was one that Bobby and I had gone in in March and really worked on that funnel. Um, from there to Kansas, and, and actually Bobby was in Kansas while I was out there. I got to have a dinner with him a couple nights. Shot a real nice buck at four, four yards. Had him come in. I mean, there was a scrape right in front of us, and he came into that scrape, and I shot him at four steps, and Lucas got footage right over my shoulder, so that, that's pretty neat. Uh, from there, went to Texas and shot a 160-inch eight-point. Not many eight-points get that big. I know, Don, you had that big giant eight-point on your place. Um, but uh, shot a big eight there, and then just got back December. We always do Mexico father-son trips, and uh, shot two down in Mexico. So yeah, had a had a real good season. Fantastic. Um, as as trade show season plays a toll on your hunting opportunities in the spring, what are you putting together for schedule for 24 that you think you might do? Is any of that on the books yet, or are you still going to just wait and see as it gets a little further in the year? You talking about hunt-wise? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, got a red stag hunt I'm going to do down in Argentina in uh, May, and, and that's a father-son trip as well when our kids get out of school. So my son's 18 now, and or no, not, my gosh, he's 19, and he's he's a bow hunting machine he loves it and so now the the trips that i used to go on now he's he's making me wait till he's out of school for christmas or the summer or whatever it is so he's going to tag along on that one and i got another father son going on that um going to do uh, an exotic going to do an axis hunt i love that axis deer meat going to do that in texas and then we'll start back here in august and september and uh you know roll right on through hit the hit basically the same circuit we did this year Here's an idea. We need to come up with something to hunt in the summer after spring consulting and habitat season's done with Don and I and go somewhere and do a destination hunt in the summer somewhere and have podcast and hunt camp or something. That sounds like fun. I've got it. We, Texas Axis. It's a deer, and the meat is world-class. The lodging is awesome. It, that, that would be. I would love to do that with you all. That would be a Let's lot go. of fun. I'm yeah, for that. Let's, do <laughs> let's get Chris Yates down there and and the other guys that uh, have a sponsor summit podcast hunt camp. Let's do it. I like it. We can do it in June. It'll be hot, so we'll wear that ICO early season gear. Got to get that plug in, and um, that that'll be uh, yeah, that'll be a heck of a hunt. That'll be a lot that, of fun. That diaper will be smoldering by mm. then in the Texas summer heat. <laughs> Yes, hey, as long will. as I don't have to wear shorts, we'll be good. Don't, don't <laughs> count me in for No shorts. Or either I'm going to have to get that manscape out and take care of some things before I put some shorts on. <laughs> uh, the, the diaper's going to cover it all, Joe. <laughs> the, the, oh, remember that old slag line, we wear short shorts, we wear – see, there's, there's your tagline of Mission Whitetail Podcast moving forward, man. Yes, I like it. All right. <laughs> this went south tonight, didn't it? it, it in, more, in more ways, in more ways than one. <laughs> so, well, uh, you approached us about an idea a couple months ago, and and I hope you don't mind. I'm gonna kind of start this conversation, giving everybody a little bit of a background, if you don't mind. If you tell me it's not right, then you can clarify it. But you know, one of the the clear advantages that we see as consumers is 
uh, when when companies are factory direct. And getting a high quality product like Osseo Gear uh, through a retailer is really challenging because you're you're introducing this product. It's revolutionary. You're trying to put the best materials in it. When you go through a retailer, this is why Real World doesn't work with Tractor Supply and Real King and Gander Mountain. Is the demand of margin that those retailers have is insane, and in our case, it, it somewhat handcuffs us a little bit because we're trying to ship 50-pound bags across the country. So we're very selective in the dealers that we do because, number one, we need somebody that can articulate and differentiate our product to a, to a potential customer, not a high school kid that's just you know, stocking the shelf. Uh, the second thing is, is we will ref- we refuse not to cheapen our product just so we could sell it at mass retail. If somebody sees a product on mass retail, it's either crazy expensive or they've cheapened the product to get the margin on the fixed cost side. And I think that's really been a model for you trying to bring out this elite level quality product that's the best in the industry, but not make it to where the average hunter can't afford it. And since then, you've been consumer direct. But you approached us and, and a couple about a month and a half ago with with one of the biggest things that you're trying to do is provide other options to our Amish and Mennonite friends because you know they don't have access to the internet, you know, uh, being able to see it. So I think that tonight we're gonna we're gonna pitch an idea out there to the Amish and Mennonite communities and also. Uh, provide some insight because your trade show circuit is crazy this year with where you guys are going to be where people can touch and feel this product so i don't care which one we talk about first but as a consumer direct company your biggest challenge is how can i make sure a, a customer is is comfortable spending the money what's my warranty uh, procedure and what if it doesn't fit those are my big challenges you know, touch feel support and um, and making sure it fits so go through just a little bit about that and our two ideas for 2024 we're working together on yeah so so you, that, that's exactly right you, you know we we have a lifetime warranty on the product so anything that you know happens to it we take care of it but the touch and the feel is a is a real um concern right you know guys are unsure especially the fit as well so we we did i think seven trade shows this year and and we're blown away at the number of amish and mennonite folks that came to our our booth at, at these different shows and said man I, i've really wanted to to see this osseo i've heard about it especially on the the podcast and you know i was just nervous about buying it about the fit i wanted to see you know how noisy it was you know what the materials were and so we we, we're going to obviously expand our trade show circuit i guess i can talk about that real quick is we're going to be at 19 different trade shows we're going to be from iowa to nebraska to alabama to georgia to pennsylvania indiana ohio we're going to be all over and that uh trade show circuit if you will we'll have that posted on our website Um, also guys if they want to know they can call in that's something else that we've got a bunch from the amish and mennonite community is we get a bunch of phone calls and we understand that and and that's what really sparked the second idea of possibly getting some amish dealers 
in different communities. And so we, we, we experimented with uh, two of those this year and it worked really, really well. And we want to expand that to get into to the other communities so that, the, the, you know, without the internet, it's hard for us to be able to get the, the product and explanation in, in front of the Amish and, and Mennonite community. So with some, some dealers, you know, in those communities, they'll be, we'll be able to service that a lot better. So that, that's our plan. And, and, you know, guys, you know, Terry, you, you may can speak to this a little better than me, but guys that are listening that want to, you know, more information about that, that, that have a store with, with support and that sort of thing and, and are interested in talking with us, you know, they can call in and I can, I can obviously give, us, give the number, the phone number for that. Well, I think what you're looking for is not an across-the-board dealer network. You're going to hold true to your core values and provide a cost-effective consumer direct for everybody that you can because your return policy is second to none. If it doesn't fit, you ship it back and you get the right size. It's it's not an issue. I don't think you're going to pivot from what's built Osseo to this point, and that's providing that price point for the highest quality under what you can go and buy different things at Gander Mountain or whatever. Um, but to penetrate and provide a service to these communities, the Amish communities, you're looking for the right fit in the retailer. And uh, I'll go ahead and lay it out there. One of the things you asked us about is how many of our real-world dealers could do it. And I said some, but not all, because some of our Amish dealers might not have a storefront. They might not have clothing racks. So what I think we've decided to do is just ask for if, if anyone in these Amish communities that think they would be a good fit selling it, there's going to be a vetting process. It's not just going to turn Joe's product loose everywhere, but you can call in and talk about your business to Joe. And, to, you know, you know, I think, I think in, I, I forget the exact uh, phrases we use, but we're looking for the people that sell like Carhartt muck boots, that type of clothing yeah, or, yeah, or, or type retail, a retail storefront presence. It's gotta right. be that. Um, you know, there, there will be like, like with real world, there'll, there'll be a minimum that, that we have to have to buy. Sure. We're going to have, you know, very favorable terms and, and, you know, guys, this isn't going to be this huge, uh, 50% markup because like you talked about, we don't have that margin. We, we've got yep. the highest quality product and we sell it customer direct. So it's not going to be some huge margin, but it, it's going to be more of a service, um, you, you know, to, to, to help our friends in the Amish and Mennonite community. Yep. Don, you you have had a very long relationship in the Amish and Mennonite communities, and um, it's it's near and dear to our hearts. To they've supported us so much that we're trying to provide tools like this for them as as a way of just saying thank you. And whether it's a business connection from people to people, that's really what we wanted to use this podcast episode with Joe on is to to help connect those dots and. And we've already have some of our Amish friends with stores that we've recommended to Joe. And uh, I would I would really like to see us announce in Shipshawana. We're all going to be at Shipshawana. You yeah. guys are both at the Legends Roundtable uh, that I'm moderating. It would be fantastic if we could announce or have a new dealer for the Shipshawana community by that show. Wouldn't that be awesome? That would be neat. I've got your guy. <laughs> I've got your guy. Yeah, as I said earlier in the podcast before Joe got on, um, you know, I shared the story of what happened to me um, last night at the event uh, where I spoke. 
the Amish community has been extremely good to me, gracious to me, and uh, I just want to make sure that they're not forgotten in the hunting industry. I think the hunting industry has kind of went uh, high tech, if you will, with social media and everything like that. And I want to make sure that our friends in the Amish community are not forgotten. That, And, you know, this is just a perfect way to do that. And we appreciate you doing that, Joe. No, absolutely. We, we, we love it. And, you know, it, it's, it's amazing to me, you know, we'll, we'll get an envelope with a, with a printout of, of the catalog with cash money in it in the mail. And, and mm-hmm. you know, it's, it, it, the, it's just great people. You, you're just dealing with great people, and, and we want to we engage more and more and more, and I think this is a really good way to do that. Yeah, so yep. if you're in one of the Amish communities, Joe, target how many you think in a bringing on. I mean, you're not going to bring multiples in in the same community. Oh, but no, no, no. You're, you're, talking about, you're talking about a handful in the bigger Amish communities across the Midwest and yeah, uh, t- ten, start there. Yeah, 10, 10 maybe, that, that would be a really good 10, 12, something like that. And, and um, again, we don't have these super margins to work with, but, but again, I think it'll be, you know, you won't have the shipping, you won't have the returns. So there's obviously some there, and, you know, I, we don't have to get into all that now. We can get into the potential sure. dealers. But, um, Terry, you won't believe it, but I actually have the phone number this time. <laughs> you remember last time I didn't have the phone number, my own <laughs> phone number. I didn't have it. <laughs> so, guys, if you are interested in the in the community, obviously we're open Monday through Friday, basically from nine to five. The number is eight 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 five four four seven one five zero eight 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 five four four seven one five zero, and you can talk to Cole or me either one cole will probably be answering the phone but i can also get in there too so i'm gonna make a request on your behalf because i've been on your side of this yep okay listeners he just gave you a phone number do not call joe and tell him to call somebody else in your community if if you have a recommendation for a store in your community go to that store owner and give them joe's number and have them contact joe uh, our our companies, both Real World and Osseo, is not setting with 35 spare staff that we have setting around. Everybody multitasking, kind of divide and conquers. So um, it's not feasible for Joe to have 600 people call in Monday morning and say, oh, we'll call Miller's Supply House in <laughs> such and such town. Um if you have a lead, if you own a store, obviously call Joe. If you have a lead or a good idea for a store, please help us. Go to go to that store owner and say, hey, I'm a customer. I want this in your store. Call this guy and get the details. Please don't call Joe and say, hey, call this person. Thank you. No, that's great. <laughs> Been there, done that, buddy. <laughs> you will get calls, Joe. You will get calls. Yeah. We, we love to talk and, and, and share deer hunting, but, yes, it is we, limited resources and, and, and folks in, in the ICO office. Well, um, before we sign off here, um, Joe, just an idea. I probably should tell you this off air, but I know you advertise some in the Busy Beaver. I know Real World does. Um, actually, Cornerstone Equipment's going to start advertising in it. Might not be a bad idea to put your trade show schedule in the bottom corner of that busy beaver ad that comes out in the first quarter. That way, all of our Amish folks know when they go to a trade show, they need to have that cash money to haul some Osseo Raptor 
yeah. uh, fleece line camo out. No, we can do that for sure. We absolutely right. will. That's a good idea. Well, I would be remiss if I didn't ask before we got off of this segment, what's new in 24 with product development or stuff that's coming out? Are you allowed to talk about any of that yet? Yeah, we, we've actually we've been working for two years now on a, they, they call them a puffy jacket. You know, it's, it's like a down insulated jacket that's quiet. Um, that, that, that insulation is, is great, but it has to have loft. And when you have that loft, you, you, it, you can't put like a heavy fleece on it because it, it piles it down and it, it loses its heat retention. So we're perfecting that. So we're going to have a, a, a quiet, puffy jacket. It'll be like a mid-layer. I mean, you can wear it on the outside, but it's really an insulating layer. Uh, we, we've got a heavyweight hoodie coming, a windproof heavyweight hoodie coming. Um, we've got, uh, let's see, fabrics are all going to stay the same. We've got some new gloves coming, some new hats coming. Uh, we, we're, we're doing some, always doing some improvements on the packs. Um, so, so really not a lot of new um, signature products but but um, everything is is getting tweaked and, and continuing to, to add technology really to everything. Yeah. You know, I think the most underrated product in your lineup that even I fail to talk about when I talked about to people is your shooter tactical gloves. Those things are absolutely phenomenal. Um, even wearing in the winter, if you need to be outside working or anything like that, and you're not hunting, I don't know who designed those. Well, I'm sure you did, but uh, you know, put the the bells and whistles to those things but those shooter gloves that you have are absolutely phenomenal i've gone through i think two pair of them already so yeah i like them they they are they're windproof they're fleece lined and and they're you keep the dexterity in them you can get your fingers out so you can type on your phone when that 190 walks by you and you shouldn't be <laughs> right so don don you want to we we came out with a an osseo chasing giants hat you're wearing that one i'm actually wearing the real world one right now um yep. we haven't we haven't offered the real one real world one for sale yet they're being passed out to our dealers as a gift for our dealer meeting coming up in march uh have we sold out of our chasing giants osseo hats yet we're, we're close if we uh, haven't uh, we haven't but we've sold over 200 of them Wow. I think we bought 240 or something. Yep. And uh, we sold. So I think, I mean, they, Joe, we're about sold. ready to have to make another order. Let's just put it that way. And uh, I'll I think have. We need, a, we need a Cornerstone equipment camo hat in the mix on this thing. So. Yep. I'll, I'll have plenty of blanks. I've, I've already got our order in for all our blanks, so we can get them to you when you need them. All right. Well, Joe, uh, let's, before we hang up, make sure we plug not only uh, your company of Osseo Gear, uh, the Mission Whitetail podcast, and then the final thing I want you to talk about is an event with uh, one of the Dream Team members, Bobby Worthington, before we hang up. So I'll let you go in that order. Make sure we plug all three of those, okay? Yeah, man. So, uh, yeah, appreciate that. The, the Bobby Worthington thing, I'm, I'm really excited about it. Bobby and I have gotten to be good friends through the introduction of Don. Um, Don, I appreciate that. Bobby is, is a heck of a guy, and I appreciate you introducing us. And, and he's an old country boy like me, and, and uh, you know, we, we, we got along really good in Kansas. And he's going to do a, a seminar, uh, a course, up at his place, and I'm going to help him with it. I'll be there doing some stuff as well. 
but uh, it's kind of big woods, uh, some public land, hill country type stuff, um, finding rut funnels and, and going through his, his approach to how he hunts those areas. And, and I'll have some tactical stuff that I'll, I'll be talking about there as well, but we're gonna have, it's, uh, it, it's, it's two dates, they're, they're in March. The eighth is the start date of one of them and the 15th is the start date of the other one. And it's a, it's a two full days, it'll be a half day in the classroom and then an afternoon in the woods and then a full day in the woods. And so we, we've got those coming up and it, it's gonna be a, a rare opportunity for guys to actually hang out with Bobby Worthington in, in his environment and his world. And, and I could not be more excited from, from a bow hunter just, just wanting to get knowledge myself personally to, to the, the opportunity for guys to be able to come on and do this. So guys, if you're interested, you can use that same phone number or email me at joe at icogear.com and I can get you the information. There's only like three spots left. Uh, but but um, I appreciate you letting us talk about that, guys. If you are a public Look. land hunter, we get all these questions all the time on this podcast about what to do with public land. I'm telling you, don't ask the Chasing Giants podcast what to do. You need to go to this class. If you're a public land hunter and want to know how to dive into a big woods, mountainous terrain on public land and excel, this is this is your event. For sure. Uh, this this event, there's three openings left. It'll be sold out probably the first hour this podcast is released. And I can say that, uh, you know, not only will you get to spend two days with two of the very best whitetail hunters alive on the planet today, but both are fantastic people. And uh, I'm sure you're going to enjoy your time at that class. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. We, I, I'm just excited. I mean, you guys have been around Bobby. You know how his mind works. He's, he's, he, You've said it, Don. I think he's got to be the best or, or one of the best whitetail hunters to ever walk earth. Mm-hmm. No doubt good. about it. And the three of us, along with Bobby and Al Foster and the Winslow brothers, are all going to be at Shipshawana for the Legends Roundtable. Um, you're going to be there for the whole event, not just the that one night, right, Joe? Yeah, I'm, I'm actually doing a seminar, so you guys will get to sit in the crowd and throw popcorn at me when I when I mess I'm up. I'm gonna throw diapers on the stage at you while you're talking. <laughs> I'm gonna Dirty be good diapers. manscape before I get there. I promise you that. <laughs> we, we don't care about that. We don't want to see it. <laughs> Bring your binoculars. <laughs> oh no. Oh. <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> oh boy well we hope to see everybody in Shipshawana. i've talked to a couple people that are coming in from way out of town uh to to visit this event i think it's going to be it was huge last time i think it's going to be even bigger this time and uh we, we told the guys at tag out that are the promoters of this event we just need a chasing giants family aisle with all of our ceo because nick carpenter from brenton's going to be there you're going to be there uh, Jay Gringrich is going to be there. We're going to have a Lester's Feet booth. Obviously, the Real World booth is going to be there with our distributor there. So it's going to be a big time with a lot of people that is just going to... I hope people come to this event this year not in trade show mode, but just be a sponge mode. Because the tribal knowledge of deer hunting is probably more concentrated at this event than probably any other trade show that uh, that I've known of in 
in a long, long time. I mean, the the wisdom of different styles and techniques from elite level. I'm not talking social media influence hunters. I'm talking true whitetail hunters. I don't know that there's ever been this much knowledge, and I really hope people come to this thing as a sponge to just try to learn as much as me. I'm that's why I I want to be there, and uh, mm-hmm. really humbled to be a small part of this thing. It's it's going to be a, a great time. It really will. I can't wait. I I I cannot wait for this. There will not be an event that I know of anywhere where there's that kind of whitetail knowledge. I mean. Yeah, you can you can go to places and see bigger hunting industry personalities, but when you start talking about the Wenzel brothers, Bobby Worthington, Joe, Al Foster, I mean those are guys that I look up to. Um, you don't want to miss this one. Yep. All right. Well, Joe, thanks as always for being on the show. We really really appreciate it. Um, looking forward to the next couple months as you're out on the trade show circuit. I'm sure our car paths will cross several times and uh, most of all thanks for the approach of just wanting to be more of a partner than a than a sponsor we 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 appreciate that more than you know uh, not only is our friendship continues to grow but all of our businesses as well it's it's important to us to treat that this way no well thank you all so much you know that feeling has always been mutual and and i appreciate it more than you guys know so thank you all and and so excited about 20 24 is going to be a great year and, and uh, change is coming and, and you know it's going to be a heck of a year well, let's get that axis hunt in texas on the books okay <laughs> june buddy y'all just let me know and i'll get her dialed in all right take care man thanks, thanks, thanks joe guys. Well, have take a great care. night you too thanks all righty okay don well it's always good to have joe miles on the on the show but i want to get to these questions you've picked out four really good ones for tonight and I want to jump right into that so we can uh, get those guys with their drinking game going with perspective and things being teed up here. Hey, you know, before we get to that, there is going to be at the Real World Dealer event, I had a dealer um, contact me about our bingo game. So as we do the live Chasing Giants podcast that first night at the dealer event, this gentleman is going to have bingo cards made up of phrases that you and I say all the time. And uh, apparently there's some company that he knows of that makes these these bingo cards. You send them all the phrases and they put them on it. Well, he's going to print them and bring them. We, we don't even have to do anything. We just do our, our, our talking and somebody's going to win something um, just based on that. But anyway, this come up first... with some prizes or something to to give to the winners then i was hoping somebody would take the bull by the horns because neither one of us have time to do it so right well somebody did and and we're going to be playing that game and as long as they show up with the cards yeah so this one comes from edward miller from clyde new york he says hello don and terry i have a two-part question first one is about deer bedding and standing corn every year we hear people saying things like i can't wait till they get this corn picked so the deer can't hide in it do you guys think deer bed in standing corn during season? Uh, my other question, if I get permission from the farmer, would it be a good idea to cut a trail through the corn next summer to funnel deer to a particular spot if they need to get from one side of the field to the other? Anyway, the trail could potentially prevent them from going all the way around the field. Hope you all have a healthy year, especially Andrea and Terry's mom. Um, 
Well, appreciate you, your well wishes for Andrea and Terry's mother uh, to start with. But, uh, yeah, deer do bed in standing corn. Um, seen it many times that the Trump buck that I shot several years ago, the evening that uh, I shot him, uh, he'd been bedded in standing corn and, and came out of that standing corn before he came past my stand. So deer absolutely will bed in standing corn. Uh, you know, your idea um, about cutting corn to make a path for the deer kind of intrigued me. I think it's actually a great idea that I'd never thought of, but I, I think if you would cut a just a small three-foot-wide path across the rows of corn, so if a deer wants to go from one side to the other, instead of having to fight through you know each row of corn, if he had a path, I think it would work fantastic. I think you could put deer right in your lap that way. It's, you know, I'm learning from you guys that are sending these questions in and people I see at seminars as much as you guys learn from me. This is something I'd never thought of, but I have no doubt that would work. And as an example of, of, of a reason why I think it would work, there was two summers ago, um, I, I found a situation. I was out putting my trail cameras up to catch velvet bucks in the summer. And I came across a situation where, you know, typically when two landowners meet out here in ag country, they're both crowding the line with their crops. And uh, they're trying to get the that first row on the edge of the field right on the property line and you know a lot of times instead of having that 30 inch gap between rows of corn or corn and beans or whatever um, they're growing almost right next to each other but i found a situation a couple summers ago where there was two cornfields that came together and both farmers had had went back off of the property line probably um, a, a good three feet so there was about a six foot wide gap between those cornfields and that those cornfields were three quarters of a mile long, and it was an absolute deer highway. It was it was wider, you know. A, a typical corn row is thirty inches. Well, this was more like six feet instead of thirty inches, and, and it was an absolute deer highway for three quarters of a mile. I stuck a trail camera on a post when I found that because it was just beat down with deer tracks. And I've got pictures of multiple bucks, including some real giants. And in fact, Terry, I'm going to send you one of those pictures to use as the thumbnail for this week's uh, podcast. But, you know, I, I appreciate this submission because I think it's a great deal we could all learn from. If you want to get those deer across the cornfield right in front of your stand, cut a path across that cornfield through, you know, crossways across each row of corn. It doesn't need to be very wide. Make it three foot wide, and I I guarantee you the deer will use it. Actually, I think you could probably make it too wide. To be honest with you, yeah, um, they want that structure. If you made it wider, I'm not going to take credit like this with like most of the people on YouTube do. A good friend of ours, Patrick Simpson, came up with an idea called the runway uh, many years ago on his dad's farm, and he would put two long strips of corn. Uh, in the cornfield and then leave I think he would leave one strip open with the planter down and back so eight rows empty and he would just go plant soybeans or uh, uh, cereal grains down through it and you talk about how the deer use that long strip to work back and forth coming out of bed to alfalfa on his dad's farm uh, it was a very creative idea that he did just to funnel deer a certain way as they left bedding and, and went to destination food plots. So um, 
I'm, I'm not going to take credit for it, but I have used it multiple times, and I think you're spot on to something. I think you could definitely funnel deer. If you're not going to put a smaller product food in it, I would keep it tighter, maybe only take one row out, you know, because mm-hmm. a lot of rows are, what, 30 and 36 inches wide. Um, mm-hmm. If you're just trying to funnel them to cut a corner or something, maybe do that. If you're trying to put a secondary food source in it, which is going to be tough with a farmer because he's going to have a chemical program in there and stuff. It's going to be hard to grow a second crop, but uh, two different techniques that I think are on point. Well, Terry, you're never going to make it in the hunting industry. I can tell you that because if if you're not willing to take someone else's idea and make it your own, uh, you, you've got no hit, no future in the in the hunting industry. It's a good thing I have no aspirations of it. <laughs> that was a, that was a be... joke, people. That was a joke. <laughs> a long-standing joke between me and Don. So, so somebody is going to take, and they're going to make a video. Promise you, folks. Listen, somebody be, in the next six months, somebody's going to take that idea, and they're going to make a video, and they're going to put it on YouTube, and they're going to claim it as their own. And I'm not claiming it as my own. This gentleman from New York that submitted the question, it was his idea. Edward Miller, great idea. Better file a trademark or patent on this one because it's going to get stolen now that you submitted it to the podcast. So we'll move on to the second question of the night. And this one comes from Dan Branham from Milltown, Indiana. It says, love your podcast. My question is for Don and Terry. Have you guys used ScentLock? I bought a ScentLock suit from head to toe. I did the scent-free bags and plastic airtight container like John <laughs> Eberhardt says he does. He says he doesn't pay attention to the wind. So I tried it, and four out of six hunts I got blown at. I haven't got that many in three years total, so I went back to playing the wind. He does make a good salesman. I'll be interested in hearing your opinions. Thanks. <laughs> Dan, 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 man, you, you, you sure opened the door for me on this one. Um, <laughs> I'll be back, folks. I'll be back in about seven minutes. I'm going to go use the bathroom or something. Lot Don goes and have some fun. Even though I had time to plan a little bit for what I was going to say here, I'm still having to temper what I really want to say. Um <laughs> There is no substitute for playing the wind. And, and folks, I think with scent control, I, I've said this many times on the podcast. Um, at one time, I did everything. I, I had the clothing. I had the sprays. You know, I would shower before the hunt. Um, I, I took chlorophyll tablets. I carried a bottle to pee in. I, I did everything you could possibly do to control your scent. And I still got busted. I still got winded. And finally, it, it dawned on me that all that extra nonsense that I was doing, changing my clothes out when it's zero degrees uh, to, to put supposedly scent-free clothing on, uh, spraying down with that that liquid spray when it's, you know, 30 degrees out it's on your bare skin, that's no fun. Um, carrying a pee bottle around, that's no fun. Uh, it, it just, it took the fun out of it, all that scent control garbage I was doing. And finally I, I realized that number one, it wasn't working. So I was wasting my time. If I was going to do anything, I needed to get better at playing the wind because that's what a mature buck is, is doing himself. He, he's, 
he's playing the win to his advantage. You got to play the win to your advantage. Um, the, the other thing I want to say, I, I don't want to get into bashing individual people. All those individual people mentioned here bashed me plenty. Um, when it comes to taking advice, guys, you really need to be listening to people who are successful. And when I say successful, that has nothing to do with how many, you know, YouTube videos you put out, how many followers you got on social media. Take a look at, at what a guy has done in the woods and how he's done it and where he's done it. Um, you know, a guy that shoots 100-inch bucks, how's he ever going to teach you how to shoot 150-inch bucks if he's never done it himself? So be be play the wind, forget the, the gimmicks, the scent control gimmicks, play the wind, and also um, be careful who you take your information from. Take it from someone who's been successful. And that's about as politically correct as I can wow. possibly be with this one. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. I'm a little disappointed. Well, but but let's let's focus on the real answer to this guy's question. Dan, Dan asked a great question when somebody – uh, mentions Mr. Eberhart. Don's hair stands up on the back of his neck and he starts getting a little twitch in his neck a little bit because this guy's, I'll say it, this guy's been flat out attacking to Don for no reason. We've never even met him or talked to him. But let's focus on the true thing at hand, and that is guys that don't understand the wind don't understand mature bucks. Let's just let's just lay it out the way it needs to be laid out. Because a buck is using a wind a certain way. And this is one of the things that makes so much sense at the Master Academy is understanding this by a visual of being on a farm watching where mature bucks have been shot. Because it, it clicks at that point. Just putting scent control on. Let's say scent control worked 100% of the time. Right, Don? Let's just hypothetically say it did. You only got... 30% of the pie figured out at that point because you don't understand how the big buck is using the wind. So you might, even if you could drop in from the sky, have, have great, you know, no, no problem with access and no smell. Everything was sent free. You not understanding wind and how mature bucks use it. You don't have, you're not close to having it figured out. Understanding the wind is just as much about you as it is the buck itself and being at the right place at the right time with that wind related to bedding and food. So um, I have no problem with people investing money into scent control for the sake of making it a little better. But to say that it's going to give you the opportunity to do the wrong thing, no way. Um, no. So well, you That was a great answer, Terry, because there's – really two big parts to playing the wind you, you gotta you know you gotta factor in what the wind's gonna do with your scent while you're hunting but also while you're accessing your stand and then you gotta factor in the buck and how he wants to move if it's not a good wind for him it could be a great wind for you it could be perfect for you but it could be terrible for the buck and if it's terrible for the buck a mature buck is not gonna move and these folks that are trying to push scent control products with the idea that if you are scent free if the deer can't smell you you're automatically going to be start start shooting bigger bucks it's not going to happen because you got to factor in how the wind is going to affect the buck movement how he's going to move absolutely and um you know it's it's just um 
it's hard to visualize unless you see it. It's it's really hard for us to talk about it. There's videos on the Whitetail Master Academy that Don talks about it, and Steve does does a phenomenal job. I hope I hope Steve actually takes this segment of the podcast and makes a reel for social media. The combination of Don's message and Steve's animation about how a buck uses wind and where to put your stand in it is worth the cost of a subscription to the Whitetail Master Academy in that alone. And as we go in to talk to a consulting clients, whether it's Wes, Don, Bobby, whoever, I think 70% of what we're doing in many cases is teaching someone how to hunt and use the wind on their property as much as it is about adapting and adjusting the habitat to accentuate or amplify the movement in that area. Um, yep. obvious, obviously, we want to change the habitat to attract and hold deer and provide diverse food sources, but a big part of what we do on a property isn't a gimmick. It's to understand the fundamentals of how to use the wind on your property. And I'll be honest with you, we've both been on properties where we had to say, you have to cut the number of stands on your property by half or 70% because mm. and you'll, we promise you, you'll see more deer. And uh, I, I think that's why people are so successful with the plans that, you know, are the Higgins plans, no matter which one of the consultants are putting it together is because it really simplifies mm. it down to how to hunt it just as much as anything. When I was consulting on that property in Ohio yesterday, at the end of the visit, um, you know, he's wrapping things up, he's getting ready to leave. The the client said to me, and, and when he said, I mean, I, I can tell usually within 30 minutes if the client's going to get it or if it's going to be a struggle. And I, I could see this guy was getting it. But at the end of the visit, he said to me, you know, the difference in what you do and what I have been doing is that I, I go to a property and I see what the deer are doing, and then I, I try to take advantage of what the deer are doing. He says, you make the deer do what you want them to do. He said, you make them go where you want them to go, and you, you make them come past places that are at your advantage to hunt them, and that's exactly right. We set up a property, we, and I tell my clients all the time, when I'm laying out your plan, I'm going to mark certain stand sites that i think are no-brainers there's going to be other stands reveal themselves as your property changes because we're going to totally change how deer are utilizing your your property in most cases so i don't care that there's a trail down this ridge today um, i don't need to take advantage of that i'm going to put that that deer traffic past the tree that i want that i can get to with good access and that i can hunt the wind and when you do that you're your success just skyrockets. Yeah. And that's where, that's where coming with a, a guy like you or a guy like Wes, a guy like Bobby with each of the different skill sets really pays a different approach to kind of what we're trying to do as a service to, to our uh, partners and, and people that trust us with their habitat plans. So we'll mm -hmm. move on to question number three as I get it up on the screen for Don to read. So this one comes from Caleb Yoder from Fresno, Ohio. That's real close to where I was at uh, last night, so maybe Caleb was at the event. Uh, he says, on a previous podcast, Don said how he had started out just shooting small bucks, then eight-pointers, then 120-inch bucks, and so on. He said a hunter should do that consistently for four or five years before he tries to shoot bigger bucks. Which of those stages was the hardest for you to achieve, 
And when did you realize that mature bucks are different? That's a great question, Caleb. And I'll be honest with you, I'm, I bet you my answer surprises you. The hardest steps were the first ones. When you're starting out deer hunting and, you know, just getting any deer in front of your stand is an accomplishment. And then when you're trying to get, you know, eight point bucks, you're, you're typically talking about bucks that are at least two years old. Each step's a little harder, but when, when you st when you get to the later um, steps, um, they're, they're so much easier because you, you know so much more. At that point, it becomes a matter of, uh, for example, now I just want to shoot bucks that are 180 and better and hopefully 200 and better. The, the challenge now is not the deer hunting knowledge. It's finding those bucks. That, that's the real challenge and getting access to where those bucks live. Uh, it, it's not the hunting thing that's a challenge anymore. If I can get on the right property, I think I can kill. Uh, I may sound overconfident. I, I hope this doesn't sound arrogant, but I feel that if I'm hunting any buck, if I can get on the property I need to be on, I can kill him. Now, a lot of times you can't get on the property that you need to be on. Sometimes maybe he's living in a property where hunting is not allowed which makes him really difficult to kill. But if I can get on the right property, I feel I can kill about any buck out there. Um, so that step is not difficult in terms of learning more about deer hunting. It's totally different. Those, the first steps are the hardest. And then as you gain more and more knowledge, it, it just becomes a matter of willpower. I'm no longer going to shoot 130-inch bucks. I'm going to shoot 150s it becomes willpower to let the 130s and 140s walk so you you still got a tag in your pocket when the 150 comes by i've made this comment uh many times on the podcast as we get questions about goals or size of bucks but i think uh this question referred to the different class of antler score of bucks and really the question I think needs to be worded to where it's age structure of bucks because that's when you consistently usually get a bigger buck. Don, I'm not going to answer or try to answer the question anymore. I just want you to comment a little bit on it. Apply the same question to when you started understanding mature bucks and age structure then it's just a matter of picking which one you want to shoot. Because let's face it, you got six, seven, eight, nine-year-old bucks on your farm every year that you're just choosing not to shoot and letting someone else shoot. I mean, they're there every single year, whether I come in and hunt them or Steve's shot some of them. Mm -hmm. We've had sponsors and guests. Um, you know, as part of that management plan, you've figured out not big bucks, but I think mature bucks was before big bucks. And I think that's where if, if it's only about antler score, you're going to shoot every 150 inch three year old that you see thinking that you're doing something good. Um, mm -hmm. I think I think I want you to comment a little bit more on age structure. And it's probably going to go back to a story with Joe Fa or Al Foster and the wind when that all came together. Well, that was a huge part of it. Um, but I met Al way before I, I was shooting giants. Um, he, he definitely shaved years off the learning curve i i think he shaved a decade he saved me 10 years of what i would have what it would took me on my own um but you know when it comes to, to age versus antler score um first of all i i think the toughest bucks to kill are four and five year olds 
I think six and seven year olds are easier than four and five year olds, especially five year olds. They they are at their peak of yeah I don't know uh, what the right word is, but they're at their peak of uh, wanting to avoid humans at all, or, or wanting to not move in daylight. That's the big thing. They're at their peak of being nocturnal. As they as they start to get older, I think they get more comfortable. Um, and their home range strength. Shrink. Absolutely. Their home range and, and then they become easy, a little bit easier to kill. Now, they're never easy, but they become easier. And uh, so, you know, a 120-inch five-year-old is going to be tougher to kill than a 150-inch three-year-old. It, it just is. So, you know, there's a we want to equate, you know, antler size with age, and that's just not always the case. Um, you know, there's there's big bucks that um, are young, and there's old bucks that are small, and, and that's just the way it is. But w- once you can, you figured out how to kill mature bucks, then it's a matter of willpower and, and the property you're hunting, finding the, the good properties, doing what you have to do. If you don't have in your area, you travel to where you have where, where they exist. And it becomes a lot more than deer hunting knowledge. It becomes passion. How passionate, how bad do you want to kill a 170-inch buck? If if you're passionate about it, you're going to go where they exist, and you're going to let 150s and 160s walk. If that's not, if you are if you want it but you're not passionate about it, you, you may let them walk for October, but come November you feel you've sat there long enough and you're going to take that 150. And that's what separates the guys that consistently shoot giants from those that just want to. Yep. All right. Well, great question. We're going to uh, end with question four this week um, uh, as we spend a lot of time with Joe. But this is a great question as people are late season hunting. I think it's a, a great uh, segue for current uh, states that are open with archery season still. Um, mm. Let's talk a little bit about Derek's question here. Uh, this one comes from Derek McClure from Bethany, Missouri. Uh, first of all, Bethany, Missouri. Every time I go through Bethany, Missouri, there's a restaurant there called Toot Toots. If you go through Bethany, Missouri, you got to stop and eat at Toot Toots. Some of the best food around. And West Delks, I've got West Delks stopping there every time he's traveling through Bethany, Missouri. But anyway, back to Derek's question. It says, hello, Don and Terry. I love the podcast and I've listened to your to every episode. I appreciate how you are both open about your faith and pray that others might come to Christ through people like you. My question is for targeting a specific deer after November 22nd. How do you kill a buck that made it through to this point in the season and you don't have food on the property you can hunt? Derek, um, the reason I selected your question is I think that I, I get a lot of questions at seminars and from clients and whatever people are asking for an answer that does not exist so if you don't have food in the late season you're probably not going to have deer it's that simple there's no magic formula that anyone can tell you that hey you don't have food okay go do this and you're going to kill those bucks um you know i've got a little slideshow that i'm now showing my consulting clients at the beginning of the morning just to give them an idea how to get the most out of their consulting visits. And on one of those slides, I've got a picture of a Sasquatch. And I've got it titled above that, 
you can't kill them if they're not here. If if you're hunting 200 inch bucks and they are not there, you've got about as good odds of shooting Sasquatch as you do a 200 inch buck. So that they've got to be there. There's some situations that that are thrown out uh, to me and and to others that there is no answer, and this is one of them. If you if you're hunting the late season, you got to be, you know somewhat close to food a good food source that doesn't mean you have to hunt on top of that food but but a mature buck at this point of the season his travel patterns are from bed to food now if he happens to catch a hot doe you know a doe fawn's coming into heat yeah he goes into rut for 24 hours mm-hmm. but then he's right back onto that food food to bed pattern and he may be bedding a half a mile from that food but there's got it food is the key to finding those bucks and then you back up from that food source to figure out where he's bedding, but uh, th- and that's what you got to do. You got to figure out where the where the bucks are feeding that you want to kill, and then you got to back up from there and figure out where they're bedding. And you got to hunt them somewhere between the two. And typically, the closer you're hunting to the bed, that's where your best success is going to be. All right, great question, great answer. Um, we're going to wrap the show up um, again. Please pray for the um, for the family up in Michigan. Uh, we also heard of a tragedy of a young boy in Knoxville area passing away that was a good friend of our close friends down there. Uh, you remember Stephanie Bryson that does a lot of embroidery work for us. Yep. Uh, her son's, one of her son's uh, friends, a uh, young teenager, was killed last night. So a lot of tragedy out there starting the year that we want to lift up in prayer. Uh, just as much uh, as you guys are praying for both of our situations with my mom and Don's daughter, we both appreciate that. But a lot of suffering everywhere else. Um, we got a lot of people traveling uh, with consulting, or not consulting season, but trade show. Uh, Joe talked about how much they're going to be on the road. Um, you know, it's 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 a tough racket that Don and I are glad we don't have to do anymore. Real world is established enough that we're not out burning the trade show trails like we used to. Um, but people don't understand how exhausting and how much work and how much risk you're taking being on the road that much pulling big trailers. And uh, we just want to want to lift those people up as, as trade show season starts for the outdoor community. Uh, all of these vendors pretty much work grueling hours, living in hotels, eating a lot of fast food, uh, traveling around. So uh, for the people working in this outdoor industry, uh, it's it's a tough t- tough grind this time of year. So uh, keep them in your prayers, also. Yeah, we appreciate your support and your prayers. I uh, wish you the best. Uh, God bless. And have a great week. Take care, everyone. Chasing Giants has been brought to you by Osseo Camo, by a Farm Real Estate Company, 360 Hunting Blinds, Victory Chevrolet, Real World Wildlife Products. Matthews Archery, Novix Tree Stands, Gingerich Tree Farm, WildlifeFarming.com, Quiet Cat, and Vortex Optics. Thanks for listening, and tune in next week for another episode of Chasing Giants.